Welcome to To Every Generation, the broadcast ministry of Calvary Chapel Crossfields, located in Jamesburg, New Jersey, where we teach through the entire Bible, verse by verse, and make application to every generation so we can grow in our relationship with God. everyone. How's everybody doing? Pray everybody is well, staying warm. You know, I turned the thermostats off, you know. Um, my wife went back and hit the switch and turned it back on, though. <laughs> you know, I tried to turn the heat off at the church also to save a couple of dimes and pennies, you know. Um, gas is expensive nowadays, you know. Um, so is eggs, though. Anyway, and so um, just a blessing to be here. Blessing, blessing. It's been some years, but um, Pastor Joe has been a blessing in my life um, in a lot of ways. And um, one of those ways is several years ago when he was on the force, he got me out of a ticket. (laughs) But, um, you know, I haven't gotten a ticket in a while, so. um, But he's just a blessing of a brother. His wife Heather and son it's just um it's just a blessing um I got to serve with Pastor Paul as we helped with a church plan in Kearney and so um he and Claire and so this is family this is family and I am just so grateful to be here today as mentioned my name is Ray Dash I have um a wife of almost 25 years it's amazing like just that is incredible and great grace I call it um we have four lovely children uh my oldest just got engaged uh 26 years old I got another one that's uh 24 um finishing up on college I got a son in um Germany right now serving in the air force and then my youngest son is in the 10th grade and so um it's just a blessing. If you have your Bibles, we want to go to First Samuel chapter 10 this morning. Chapter 10. Have you ever stumbled upon a blessing, you know, looking for one thing and God does something greater? I, I believe in the passage that we'll look at today, this is the kind of day that Samuel was going through. I mean, Saul was going through. And, um, and I mentioned my wife and my children. And the truth of the matter is this, you know, um, the reason I got married was to prevent myself from baby mama drama. Y'all, got the, y'all understand that term? Like, you got that right? Like, just, um, I, I mentioned my daughter's going to be 26 in two months, but um, I mentioned Ruthie and I are almost 25 years married. So, you kind of put the math together, you understand that we put the cart before the horse, right? And so, um, you know, I mentioned that in respect of, you know, I was just running the streets, doing my own thing, and um, I stumbled upon a blessing. As I look back on life now, some 25 years, it's just been the grace of the Lord. 
Uh, it really has been that. I don't say that tongue-in-cheek. I mean that. And, um, you know, that was the wrong foundation. But the grace of God stepped in, you know, um, to have that perspective. Hey, I wanted to right the wrong. So fixing the relationship, you know, um, coming together and getting married, you know, the next step. I'll just give you some advice. Just because you have a baby doesn't mean the next step is to get married. That's not how you right the wrong. It just happened to work out that way for me by the grace of God because I got saved after that and things happened and we put God in the center and he became our foundation. And so that's the real reason why things turned around. And it's interesting, you know, last year we, we took a six weeks sabbatical, not because anything was wrong. You know, people think sometimes when you take a sabbatical as a pastor, oh, what was going on in the marriage and all of these things? Look, we were doing well. Um, in fact, um, some of you may know Pastor Ed. Uh, I'm having a talk with him. I'm saying, man, everything's well. I don't understand, like, you know, why we're taking this break. But I did understand that my wife requested that. And as mentioned, we serve in Newark. And not only that, we live on the church property. Now, I lived at the church property in Kearney, but that's very different than living on the church property in Newark. Some of y'all will get that in a second. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I live on the main street, two doors away from the firehouse. The bus stop is right outside my door. There's the bar and, and the club up the street and people bickering and fighting and all this kind of drama that goes on, let alone the people that want to knock on your door at the wee hours of the night. That was, that's in Newark. In Kearney, you meet with the people on Sunday, everything's smooth during the week. And living on site, you know, you have that weight, but my wife just asked, can we take a break for a second? And so we took a break. You discover some things about your relationship. Man, we still love each other outside of the ministry because we spend 90 plus percent of the time together, you know, identity. You know, I could stand here and say every week, I, I, I'm, I know who I am. I don't need to be in the pulpit, but it's not until... You step away for a while. Do you feel like, hey, do I need to write a message this week? Do I need to, you know, tell somebody in this, you know, um, context about Jesus? But I discover I still love Jesus outside of the pulpit. You know, there were some things that God has shown through that time. And the reality of just stumbling upon a blessing. I never would have taken a break. But one thing Pastor Ed said to me was, hey, you know what? This may be preparing you for a season that may be a high season. And now we're in it. A year, almost a year later, we were on sabbatical around this time last year. And almost a year later, it's high season. Things are happening. God's on the move and doing things that are incredible. But look here. When I mentioned Saul in light of this, Saul didn't have a heart that was in pursuit of God. And I believe today God wants to remind us that he is able to do more in us than we could imagine. Today, we can ask ourselves this question. Will we surrender to the will of God? You have to ask yourself that question. I believe today, as we think about this, in number one, it's not our, my desire to take a deep dive into this chapter, but to give you some context and to prayerfully consider the Holy Spirit's will as he illuminates certain things to us this morning. Something that he is calling you to take the next step in. 
I tell you what, sometimes as a pastor, I could ask people to jump across the ocean. You know, not intentionally, but, but those are almost the kind of things you put on the table for people and they get discouraged. And I've learned throughout the years, hey, you know what? Challenge people to just take the next step closer to Jesus. And everybody's step looks different. And so here, look, understand, today I believe you want to ask yourself, what's your next step? What's my next step, God, in getting closer to you? You know, as you look at chapter 8, you know, the children of Israel are asking for a king like the other nations, but God had called them as, you know, us today to be different than everybody else. That's what he's called the church to be, to be a light, to be different than the world. You know, God had given them a king, himself. It was a theocracy, but they wanted a monarchy, you know, ruled by men. And, you know, as you think about this, the climate in Israel was that they desired to be the, the same as the rest instead of holy and set apart for what God wanted for them. They desired a human king instead of a divine king. Three things I want to point out this morning if you're taking notes. Number one, the Lord anoints Saul. And we'll see this in verses 1 through 8. The Lord anoints Saul. The second thing we'll look at is the Lord gives Saul something in verses 9 through 16. 9 through 16, the Lord gives Saul. And then the Lord displays Saul in verses 17 through 27. The Lord displays Saul in verses 17 through 27. Let's bow our hearts in prayer. Father, we thank you for the day. We thank you for this time we can come together in your word, God. And we ask that you would minister to us, speak to us, meet us here as you see fit. We thank you for just this opportunity to gather in your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Verse 1, it says, Then Samuel took a flask of oil and poured it on Saul's head and kissed him and said, Is it not because the Lord has anointed you commander over his inheritance? When you have departed from me today, you will find two men by Rachel's tomb in the territory of Benjamin at Zelzah. And they will say to you, the donkeys which you uh, went to look for have been found. And now your father has ceased caring about the donkey and is worried about you, saying, what shall I do about my son? Then you shall go on forward from there and come um, to the terebinth tree at Tabor. There are three men going up to God at Bethel. Um, I'm sorry, we'll meet you. And, ca- and carrying three young goats, another carrying three loaves of bread, and another carrying a skin of wine. And they will greet you and give you two loaves of bread, which you shall receive from their hands. After that, you shall come to the hills of God, where the Philistines' garrisons is. And it will happen when you have come there to the city that you will meet a group of prophets coming down from the high place with string instruments and tambourines and flutes and harps before them. And they will be prophesying. 
Then the spirit of the Lord will come upon you and you will prophesy with them and be turned into another man. And let it be when these signs come to you that you do as the occasion demands for God is with you and you shall go down before me to Gilgal and surely I will come down to you to offer burnt offerings and make sacrifices of peace offerings. Seven days you shall wait till I come to you and show you what you shall do. And so he said the first thing is the Lord anoints Saul. We see this oil that is spoken of. When a king was crowned king, you know, that would be more of the political side of things. But the oil was more of the religious side of things. And so here he's being anointed with oil. Anointed by Samuel here we see. And this happened beforehand secretly, but we, he's being spoken of. This oil that's spoken of is what? We know it as a symbol of what? The Holy Spirit, amen? And so here he's being anointed with this um, ta- or flask of oil. And he, Samuel also kisses him and says, Is it not because we see the Lord has anointed you? His hand, another word, is on his life. He has touched him. And what I want to ask this morning is this. What has God anointed you to steward that truly belongs to him? What are you stewarding? You know, some people in a room may be single. How are you stewarding your singleness? God has called you to a season of singleness. Maybe you'll get married in due time. Maybe he's called you to singleness. But how are you stewarding your singleness? Some of us are husbands in the room. How are you stewarding your wife? Parents, how are you stewarding your children? Here, God has given us something or someone to steward. Some of us are grandparents in the room. How are you stewarding your grandchildren? Oh, I understand your, your, your children may not be walking with the Lord, but when they drop those little ones over to you, do you just give them the little tablet and say, hey, go and play? And you say, hey, you know what? This is an opportunity for me to teach my grandchild a verse or two, to be able to pray with them and give them some kind of foundation. When we think about this, even some of us may be serving in the ministry in one capacity or another. That's a kind of tricky statement if you think about it, because we all as believers and followers of Christ should be in the ministry. Oh, I understand you may not get a check from the church, as being in the ministry, but where you work and your tent making is your ministry. Oh, I don't know if enough people were convinced about that, but that is the reality, that that is our ministry where God has called us into. But I wonder today, how are we stewarding those things? Each of us have been given something valuable and purposeful to steward, even down to our very own, watch this, character. God's concerned about our character. And here we must understand this. In verse 2, Samuel had been given specific instructions between verse 2 and verse 8. What you're going to find is that God is going to give him some confirmation signs. God ever tell you something and then you need 
signs like Gideon, you know, to get going in what God has spoken to you. I don't know about you, but I can say me. Sometimes it's like, oh, God, I know you said, but how's this going to work out? Show me another sign to just prove that you are there and it's you that is speaking. Here we see three things that were taking place that would take place. Number one, in verse two, Saul had not been told that. um, I'm sorry, Saul had not told Samuel that he had lost the donkeys. And surely these two men that would they, they wouldn't have known as well. But he says the donkeys are found. That's the first thing. Number two, we see in verses three through four, they will greet and give you something there. He says that you will receive from them two loaves of bread. And then in verses five through seven, there's going to be a group of prophets prophesying and the spirit of the Lord is going to come upon you, Saul, and you will do the same as they are doing. How has God confirmed and reaffirmed that he is with you in your life? Has he solved problems for you, just like you see here? Or has he made provision for you? You know, did you forget, you know, when when God had made provision for you? Has he enabled you to do something beyond yourself? I tell you what, when you consider this here, even as we see in verse 6, the spirit of the Lord comes upon Saul. Is what's being said here. This is what's going to happen. These things haven't happened yet. He says, and you will prophesy. And notice what it says. And you'll be turned to a what? Another man. How many times has God spoken to us and shown himself making good on his promises? Not our wishes, but on his promises. Have we forgotten? Perhaps it would do us some, do us well to sit and remember a few things. That he has spoken. Here, you know, a side note. Remember this. Even as we look at two through six, there's a couple of things I believe that we can take to our own heart. Number one, we see in verse two, the father's care for his son. Kish cared for Saul. He wasn't concerned any longer about the donkeys. Secondly, what we find here is there's this father's communion with the son if you may the son received bread and wine if you may then second i mean thirdly we see in verse six the spirit of the lord came upon the son and i believe you and me as children of god these are three necessary things for you and me before we even do anything for god here understand the first thing is that to know that god cares about you We're so concerned about caring about the ministry that we don't even take time to commune with the Father. He wants us to be in communion with him first off before we even get going. And so to know that he cares for you, secondly, to know, hey, I want to have intimacy. The Father wants to have intimacy with us. And then thirdly, he's going to come upon you so that you could be an effective minister of for his service. And so here, when we consider this, notice what verse seven says. It says, let it be. Oh, this is interesting as you look at this statement. And why does he tell Saul, let it be? Hey, this is uncomfortable. I can think about when we first stepped into Newark. 
We didn't have Christian t-shirts. And, you know, I was, you know, then still wearing baggy jeans and, and looking, you know, very street probably. And I'm walking into people's projects. And I remember walking in, I'm like, oh, God, did you really tell me to do this? And I step in and I'm going to reach for people's hands and, you know, and they're looking at me like, I don't know you, man. You better go ahead. And God was telling me to go and let it be. And I'm trying to figure it out. Oh, well, maybe we should go this way. I even thought about maybe going to Bloomfield and ministering Bloomfield because there were civilized people there. And then you come down to Newark, they're uncivilized. So maybe we can reach some civilized people and then come down here into an uncivilized area. God said, I ain't tell you to do that. And I ain't tell you to figure it out neither. And if you were like me, some of us in the room got to figure out every dot to the end before we take the first step. I want to say something to us. You haven't learned to let it be. You're still trying to be in control, but where's the step of faith found at? Here, look, understand this. This is very important that we let it be. Do as the occasion demands. Whatever the occasion is, when God's in the midst of it, just go with it. You see, we've come too, too far, right? We know too much that we put corners on what God is saying to do. Well, there you, you know, where, where's that chapter and verse at? <laughs> I understand being very biblical. I get that. God will do some things that will get you out of your comfort zone. That will get you uncomfortable and you're going to have to discern how the spirit is moving. This wasn't Saul's comfort spot. But God was calling him to get uncomfortable. The people want something? Okay, I'm going to give it to them. I'm going to give it to them through this way. Here, look, hey, notice what it says. For God is with you. That's what you need to discern. Is God in this or is he not? And then just watch the fruit of it. Here, watch what we see here. We see the next thing that he points out in this section is, notice, really, it comes from, you can go deeper study with this, but Leviticus chapter 1, burnt offering. Leviticus chapter 3, peace offering. And really, the first offering has to do with everything going to God, total surrender. The second offering has to do with, again, peace, fellowship with God. And some of us, the truth of the matter is, we're having this conflict with God. We don't have this peace because we're really questioning whether or not is God leading me this way. And I want to encourage you to be able to wait. It said here, wait. After he told them all these things, he said, wait. Until what? Until you are told the next things to do. And you see here, we have to be able to sit and wait on the Lord. Be able to hear from the Lord, discern his voice, and then take the next steps with the Lord. We see this here and we understand, hey, and I want to ask you today, what do you do when you know that you're chosen, but God has told you to wait? You see, I was told to go to Newark years before I went out. And Pastor Paul is, I believe, in the room to confirm that. What I thought the time was, no, God was saying, wait. 
And there were some things he was teaching me through the ministry that I was serving in. And then there was a time where he released me to step out in faith. But it started with a burden. It started with prayer and just waiting on the direction from the Lord. And even when I wanted to leave or go on my own, God would close the door and say, not right now. Easy. Some Spanish people in the room. Tranquilo. Perate. Hey. We looked at the Lord's anoint Saul. Now let's look at the Lord giving Saul something in verses 9 through 16. Notice it says, so it was when he had turned his back to go from Samuel that God gave him, notice, another heart. And all those signs came to pass that day. And when they came there to the hill, there was a group of prophets to meet him. Then the Spirit of God came upon him, and he prophesied among them. And it happened when all who knew him formally, note that, saw that he indeed prophesied among the prophets, that the people said to one another, What is this that has come upon the son of Kish? Is Saul also among the prophets? Then the man from there answered and said, But who is their father? Therefore, it became a proverb. Is Saul also among the prophets? And when he had finished prophesying, he went to the high place. And Saul's uncle said to him and his servant, where did you go? And so he said to look for the donkeys. And when he saw that they were nowhere to be found, we went to Samuel. And Saul's uncle said, Tell me, please, what Samuel say to you? And note this, So Saul said to his uncle, He told us plainly that the donkeys had been found, but about the matter of the kingdom, he did not tell him what Samuel had said. We said that the Lord gives Saul something here. And notice in verse 9, God had spoken words. He's spoken words, but note there in verse 9 that he brought them all to pass. But when you think about this, what did he do in Saul? He gave him a different spirit. Here, as you give him a different heart, that literally means a change. He literally changed his heart. I want you to consider something. Our hearts, I'm not talking about the organism that pumps blood. But the depths of our souls, the depths of our being, funnel through life experiences. Your heart, my heart funnels through and processes things through our pain, through our past, through our problems, and even through the treatment of how people have treated us. All these things have the ability to affect our hearts. Here, when we consider this here, note this though, that it was God who gave Saul a different heart. Notice that the pastor didn't give, which was Samuel, the the prophet didn't give him a different heart. 
Oh, well, you know what? If I just show up, Pastor Joe, you can change my heart. No, he can't. Your heart, like the New Testament declares, hey, your heart is the soil and seed is going out and you and I have the responsibility to receive it or reject it. Here, look, understand this. When you think about this, you can't even give your own self a different heart. Well, you know what? I'm going to have a change of heart. No, you're not. I'm going to do things differently. 30 days. Commitment. Going to the gym is getting hot outside. Well, how's it going? I'll give you a new membership in January. You still going? You can't change your heart. Look here, when it comes to spiritual things, self-helps and formulas and all of those things will never change our hearts. You go from the world of drinking and drugging into AA and NA. Nothing wrong with you want to do that. But I got one step program for you. Let God change your heart. Let God change your heart. You won't have to work 12 steps. You just say, I'll surrender God and watch him change your heart. Watch him change your life here. Look, understand this here. Some people have been unfaithful to you. Yes, you have trust issues. I get it. Understand this. I have them too. And I have to wrestle them out with God. And when I meet him in that space, hey, watch this. He helps me to navigate through life, giving me a different perspective on life as I navigate through. Here, look, understand, as you think about this, whose heart do you have today? I know Jeremiah 17 tells me this in verse 9 through 10. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. The question is, who can know it? Well, I know I I got a good heart. Didn't everybody else bad heart? No. I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind, even to give every man according to his way, according to the fruit of his doing. Genesis chapter 6 tells us something that's pretty interesting. Even as you think about today's day, in verses 5 through 6, it says, Then the Lord saw the wickedness of man was great on the earth. Isn't that right about today? And that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually and notice what it says it says the lord was so was sorry that he had made man on the earth and notice what the lord does he was grieved in his heart i wonder today can i ask you a question is your heart like god when it comes to seeing what's going on in our world today Oh, I have the tendency to get upset when I watch things like transgender trying to be approved in elementary schools with sports and stuff or watching boxing and seeing a man beat on a woman. I got an issue with that. But let me tell you something. God's heart is for them also. And we cannot have the burden on our heart to reach if we're so angry at what society is throwing our way. You know, the truth of the matter is this. They are sinners just like we are. 
And the grace of God has brought us from darkness into light. But the reality is this. Is our our heart grieved and sorrowful for the people that are lost like God? Like God. Not like church people. Like God. Here, this is a big difference here when we consider this. God wants to give us a different heart. And our heart today needs to be turned from that place of slandering, of, oh, you know, away with these people, just stay in the ark. Let them drown. People are going to hell. I don't know how real hell seems to you, but I'll tell you what, I see it day to day. People are dying and going to hell. And it's a real place for me. And so it grieves my heart when I see people. Yes, my worldview is affected when I see these things and affect schools and kids and so forth. But my other side says, God, help me to have compassion for people that don't know their right from their left. Here, look. I believe this. I believe it could be argued that your heart is your greatest stewardship that you'll ever come across in, the, in life. Why do you say that? I'll tell you what, Proverbs 4, 23 says this. Finish with, with me. Keep your heart with what? All diligence. Why? For from what? It comes what? The issues of life. We got to steward our hearts. Because our hearts can go all over the place by what we're going through and how we navigate through life. But if we want the heart of Jesus, look, even the sons of thunder, right? They wanted to call down fire from heaven, right? Jonah, he wanted to, he was, he was running away from Nineveh, right? So here, look, I don't want the heart of the disciples. I don't want a heart of a prophet. What I want is a heart like God. Because it seemed like when they wanted to call down fire from heaven, Jesus was like, no, we're not doing that. Give me a heart like Jesus. Here, look, understand as you think about this, it's our responsibility to steward our hearts. And the results that we find from a heart that God gives Saul is this. We see, number one, the spirit came upon him. Likened unto, these were seasonal or at specific times in the Old Testament, but this is the reality and the access that we have as New Testament believers. The Holy Spirit comes upon your life in verses 10 through 12, even though he had never learned how to prophesy. He didn't go to the school of the prophets, but watch this. He didn't learn the skills and the techniques and and the hermeneutics of all of these things. But watch this. When it was time to prophesy, prophesy when the spirit of God was on him what happened he prophesied the same way that the prophets was prophesying how about that there's nothing wrong with going to school for the biblical theology and all of that but hey you know what there's a lot of people learning the techniques but don't have the anointing I'd rather have the anointing and whatever schooling God gives me praise the Lord but I want to be in the school with him Here, look, understand this here. Hey, God will anoint your life. And this is the big thing. In the anointing, the purpose is this, that you make an impact. Where's your life making an impact at today? 
Here, I want to ask this because it's so important when we consider this because notice what happens. He prophesies among them, but thirdly, note what happens. The people respond like, what is this? You see, they knew Saul. They knew his heart wasn't for God. Something happened. And this is what I believe. I believe this is what transformation of life should look like. That when God has changed you, when the Holy Spirit has come upon your life, now I know you. Ain't no way (laughs) that you are just naturally doing these things because I know where you come from. Look here, understand. Saul is being used. And so it is, they say, look, he said, he was making such an impact. They say, who's your daddy? Like, who are are their fathers? Like, what is going on here? And I wonder today, are we speaking the things that God has given us to others? You're here in a Bible teaching church. Is it just information? Or is it transformation to your heart? Hey, I pray that it's transforming your life day by day. Not to be smug, not to be, you know, I I tell you, my zeal, I went into Newark. I wanted to fix every messed up church because I thought I knew something. And God said, I didn't tell you to do all that. I come with the arrogant. No, that's wrong. Who told you to do that? I don't want to be this guy. But I want to make an impact. And here, understand, they're asking, who in the world is this? And that's the difference between modifying your life and allowing God to transform your life. Here, when we see this here, how are others impacted by the things that they hear from you as you speak hope into their life, as you speak into their life? They're speaking prophetic. He's speaking prophetic things. You know, it's real safe to be like, oh, here's a verse for you, but then there's also discernment that God gives you and a word of knowledge, and you can see right through the individual what they need to hear, and God's giving you that word to speak to them. Hey, I want to challenge you. Hey, it's biblical. Speak it. Here, God will use you in those giftings. And so in in 13 through 16, Saul now goes back to his house, and his uncles ask him, where did you go? And Saul tells the uncle, watch this, the, uh, Saul tells the uncle only about the donkeys, but notice what it says, but about the matter of the kingdom, he didn't tell him. Now, some people would think that this is humility, but I would tend to think a little differently. Why? Because when the anointing of the Lord is on your life, you don't have the right to hold back what God is doing in your life. And you're going to see this progression as we finish out the chapter. But here, look, understand. He's saying, hey, he didn't tell him about the things pertaining to the kingdom. And some of us are at work or in our communities. And you know what? We're talking about the green grass and how, you know, how to plant and seed the, 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 the fertilizer and all of these things. We're talking about the, the finals and, and these, it's what, basketball playoffs and all of these things. We're talking about those things. But when it comes to talking about the things pertaining to the kingdom, well, you know, I might lose my job if I talk about Jesus on my job. Who gave you the job? Well, you know, I got to pay my rent and my, my mortgage. 
God tell you, open your mouth, open your mouth. You lose that job, you guarantee you this. He give you another one. Now, I'm not talking about the people that go on the job and be obnoxious. I'm talking about the people that want to be salt and light. And when God opens a door, here, look, understand, to tell your neighbor or to tell, you know, someone in your class or your co-workers. Here, look, understand this. There should be a heart to tell people about the matter of the kingdom as well. We looked at the Lord's anointed. We looked at the Lord giving Saul something. But now let's look at finally the display, the Lord displaying Saul in verses 17 through 27. And we'll come to a close with this. It says, then Samuel called the people together and to the Lord at Mizpah and said to the children of Israel, thus says the Lord God of Israel, I brought you up out of Egypt. And delivered you from the hand of the Egyptians and from the hands of all the kingdoms and from those who oppressed you. But you have today rejected your God who himself saved you from all your adversities and tribulations and have said to him, no, set a king over us. Now, therefore, present yourselves before the Lord, but your tribe by your tribes and by your clans. And when Samuel had caused all the tribes of Israel to come near, the tribe of Benjamin was chosen. And when he had caused the tribe of Benjamin to come near by their families, the family of Matai was chosen. And then Saul, the son of Kish, was chosen. But when they sought him, notice he could not be found. Therefore, they inquired of the Lord further. Has the man come here yet? And the Lord answered, there he is hiding among the equipment. Or if you have a King James, it says among the stuff. And so they ran and brought him from there. And when he had stood among the people, he was taller than any of the people from the, um, his shoulders upward. And Samuel said to all the people, do you see him whom the Lord has chosen that there is no one like him among all the people? And so the people shouted and said, long live the king. And then Samuel explained to the people the behavior of royalty and wrote it in a book and laid it upon up before the Lord. And Samuel sent all the people away, every man to his house. And Saul also went home to Geber and valiant men went with him whose hearts God had touched. But some rebelled say and said, how can this man save us? So they despised him and brought him no presents, but he held his peace. We see Samuel now calling the people together and the Lord reminding them of what they had done in, ver in what he had done in verses 17 through 18. But the people notice rejected God and all that he had done, saving them from the Egyptians and so forth. And this is what they said. No. We don't want you. We want a king over us. They wanted a rugged fighter, a physically strong person. But I wonder today when you think about your own life, what has God done for you in the past? What has he delivered you from? Has he delivered you from alcohol? 
Has he delivered you from drugs? Maybe even the desire to be rich. He may have even delivered you from, I don't know if this is a real word, but moralism. Just thinking that you can clean up your life and fix and be the best and externally and you look good all on the outside. And you, look here, understand. I wonder today, do we say no to God's heart? These folks are saying no. And so Samuel says, okay, line them up. Tribe by tribe, verses 19 through 21. But when notice they sought for Saul, he could not be found. And now the people are, notice this, this is an incredible thing. It says, they inquired of the Lord further. You, you weren't inquiring in the first place. You were demanding, oh, give us a king. Inquire means to investigate. God, I, I want to know your will for my life. But God, nonetheless, he answers and he puts Saul on blast. He's over there among the stuff. <laughs> Interesting, right? He's this big guy trying to hide. And this is why I believe it's not humility. Because again, when God has anointed you, it's no time to walk in weakness and fear. This is, that must be my timer. <laughs> I'm wrapping up. And insecurities, getting caught up in those things. I'll tell you what, God was calling me into the ministry, but the truth of the matter is this. I hated reading out loud in front of people. All through school, I would get in fights to disrupt the class just so I wouldn't read out loud. Yeah, this is this guy. <laughs> Once I got saved, that's all I did was read. God must have knew, like, you know, you're going to waste your life in the youth, but you're going to be reading the rest of your life. But it was out of my comfort zone. It was in my insecurity that I, oh, I don't want to stand in front of people. I stumble over words and all of these things. It wasn't humility. Here, look, hey, it was insecurity. And outwardly, Saul had the looks but I wonder the character that he had. And I'll tell you something today as we close out. God is concerned more about your character than your gifting. Here, look, understand as we consider this, I wonder today, are you hiding among the stuff? You have a call from God, an assignment. And like Saul, when it's time, you can't be found because you're hide, we're hiding ourselves among the stuff, trying to avoid the assignment because, number one, we see the sacrifice that's involved. Oh, that's just going to take away from my time. I need to watch NFL football on Sunday, you know. Here, look, as you think about this here, God wants to give us a heavenly crown, but we keep seeking for perishable crowns, the crowns to success, security, recognition, clinging to the things of this world. Understand, these things have and continue to keep many of us from responding in obedience and trust in God's calling. Oh, I'm just enjoying retirement. Leave me alone. Here, look, understand this. I believe this. Until God calls you home, there is some assignment that he has given us. 
And you can think, oh, he called me to retirement and, and collecting seashells at the ocean when it's nice. That's not what he called you to. But God has given you some things to make an impact in somebody's life, whether it's at the grocery store or whether it's in your family and beyond. Even in the church here, look, understand, he wants us to get uncomfortable for his glory. Perhaps you are among the stuff of Facebook and Instagram and spending massive amount of hours scrolling and Netflix and, and seasons, you know, uh, what they call series and, and you binge watching all day long. And you know what? God is saying, no, I would need you at this post. And you say, yeah, I'll get there. You're hiding among the stuff. And God will put you on blast. You're right there. I wonder today, do you have to be dragged out of the stuff? Or are you lifted up? Hey, God's called me. I'm stepping into whatever it is that he's called me to. Notice, when we think about this, they say, long live the king. Long live the king. I tell you what. There's a greater king. His name is Jesus. And when the king of kings and the Lord of lords, the one who is the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end, when you are serving him and living for him, the greater king, you never need to say, long live the king, because he's the everlasting father, the prince of peace. Here, when we see this here, notice and understand, some of us will go with Jesus like Unto what happens with Saul, there was men that God had touched their heart and they went with Saul. There are some that will go with God and follow in his way. But there are some that's just the reality is what? They're going to rebel. They're going to rebel. And when we consider this for ourselves, understand, hey, you know what? Some will rebel. Some will despise the name of Jesus. But here I wonder and even look here. And not even give him any presence. Your time. At, on your face. In prayer. You rebel. Oh no I don't need to do that. I don't need him. But look here. He'll hold his peace. Just like we see in the prophetic statement about him. In Isaiah 53. When he opens not his mouth. God's calling you. Into a living relationship with him. And I don't know who is and who isn't walking with Jesus. But I do know this, today, if God is calling you, hey, it starts with a heart of repentance and turning to him. And so as the worship team comes forth, I want to challenge you. I want to say, hey, this is the reality that Jesus is calling you today. He's calling you whether you're in relationship with him or not. For some, it's to start this relationship in repentance, starting there and saying, yes, Lord, I surrender to you but then there's some others here who are in relationship with him and he's calling you hey you know what hey it's not cruise control time it's time to step in it's kind of be it's time to be like joshua and caleb give me the mountains here this is high time and if we're looking at the news and all that's going on, hey, our hearts should grieve. But we should also discern like the men of Issachar to know the signs of the time. And this is it's the final hour. I believe that. It's an urgency time. This is a war call that we would be the men and women of God who will stand at the post and shine his light for his glory and be saving as many as we can in these last days. 
I charge you today as a church, don't fall into the stuff of complacency, but go further for the kingdom and his glory. Father, we thank you for this time together in your word. We thank you for this local house and the saints that have filled this place today. I pray that you would just go before us today. There's some that may not have yet come to know you that want to say yes to Jesus. I just pray right now. Anyone's heart in that place. I need a relationship with Jesus. I don't have that today. I desire that. Would you just raise your hand? I want to just pray with you. I don't want to single you out. I just want to pray with you. You don't know Jesus. You desire a relationship with him. And today you say, I need to repent before him. I need to turn to him and surrender. If that's you, just slip up your hand. I want to pray with you. If that's the reality, hey, then that means that it's my hope that everyone in the house is saved. They're walking with Jesus. I just want to pray with you that this here, that you would just respond to this. God, fill me afresh with your Holy Spirit. Come upon my life. Come upon my life and use me for your glory. I surrender. I don't want to be stuck among the stuff, but I want to be found in your presence and answering your call to serve you until you call me home. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. God bless you guys. You've been listening to To Every Generation from Calvary Chapel Crossfield. We meet for Bible study Wednesdays at 7 p.m. And Sunday service begins at 10.30 a.m. On Sundays, we have children's church for all ages, in addition to infant and nursery care. You can find out more about the ministry here at Calvary Chapel Crossfields by going to www.cccrossfields.org, where you can also watch or listen to previous messages. If you have any questions or have a prayer request, please email us at contact at cccrossfields.org. Thanks for listening, and may God bless.